what's going on? Sedano and LZ with you here on 710 ESPN. LZ, you and I, you and I, okay? Uh We, it's pretty crazy how this turns out for us. Uh, It feels like every time we start talking about something from a speculation standpoint, that Mm -hmm. we speak it into into existence to use a LeVar ballism, okay? So you and I were talking about yesterday about Deshaun Watson tweeting, some things never change. And, you know, look, we've been at this for too long, right? Like when somebody's just tweeting something kind of weird like that, it usually means if it's an athlete, they're not happy with their current situation. I don't think it takes a brainiac to figure that out. Um, And we were kind of debating on, you know, less need. He's so bold. Can he get in on that? So today, this morning, I wake up and Pro Football Focus, Mike Florio's reporting that Deshaun Watson wants a trade. And now Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network literally within a minute ago tweets this. Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson is extremely unhappy with the organization after owner Cal McNair informed him he would be involved in the GM and coaching hiring process and provide feedback. But then he did neither in the hire of GM Nick Casario, sources say. So Mm. Deshaun Watson clearly wants out. Uh, Deshaun Watson has a $15 million cap uh, salary cap hit, um, but it will cost them more money, the Houston Texans, to be to basically trade him. It would cost him $21.6 million as opposed to $15.2 million if they trade him. But if he's unhappy, they may have to do it and eat it anyway. Um, yep. and, and look, whether it's the Rams, I mean, Greg Bergman, the Raiders, I mean, the Chargers don't need Ooh. to. But honestly, like if I'm the Rams or Raiders, I'm making a call on this. Like there's no way you can't at least gauge the market, LZ, if you're one of those two teams. Like the Chargers are the only team that are represented here in Southern California that should not be calling because they've got their kind of guy of the future. But, you know, Derek Carr has been pretty good and good even. But, you know, there's always questions about him. And we certainly have had those conversations about Jared Goff. So if you're John Gruden or um, what's the guy's name who used to work on NBC, who's the GM in uh, in Las Vegas? Um, Mike Mayock. Mike Mayock. Mike Mayock. Yeah. If you're Mike Mayock or Les Need, aren't you at least picking up the damn phone right now? If you're every GM in this league, with the exception of the Chiefs and perhaps the Packers, you're probably making that phone call. Right. You know, you probably should be making that phone call just to kick the tires. And I would argue, George, that that includes the Chargers. Because even really? though because even though Justin Herbert looked amazing his first season, how many times have we seen rookie quarterbacks look amazing their first season mm-hmm. and not so amazing the second and third yeah, going forward? Yeah, the sophomore slump is a real thing. You're right. Exactly. So we know what Deshaun is for the long haul. Right. Um, Justin Herbert, we don't really know. He may be the no-mo of quarterbacks. Who, know, of, uh, who knows, right? right? Right. So I would definitely, if I were in charge of any team in Southern California, I would kick the tires and see what's up. The Rams actually are in position to offer up a QB that's been to a Super Bowl in exchange, which, you know, depending upon how you feel about golf, may be beneficiary, whereas the Raiders are only offering you picks and guys who haven't been as successful. 
I mean, listen, dude. I I don't even know how that works. Like trading golf salary for Deshaun's salary. Like I I don't know how that works in the NFL. Um, from I like a salary cap perspective, like I don't know how it works either. All I know is Les Snead. He does. I looked up. Yeah. And he had 19 different all pros and Hall of Famers on the team all at once. We went to the Super Bowl. Right. And, and we were supposed to be cash strapped and unable to make any moves. And the yeah. next thing I know, we had like all these guys in the squad. So right. they know what they're doing. Yeah. So I'm going to trust that if they really thought they had a chance to go after, you know, Mr. Watson. Yeah. I'll, you know, I will think that Les will do everything that he could reasonably within his power including trading golf and need be it to make it so. Greg, what about the Raiders? Raider fan over there. What's up? What do you think? Uh, look, I actually kind of like Derek Carr, but if you're going to give if I'm going to be able to get Deshaun Watson out of all this, I'm all in. I see what he does on the field. I see what he brings to the game, how well he hits his receivers, how well he can use his legs. Yes, give me Deshaun Watson. Well, I mean yeah, I think for the Raiders is kind of a no-brainer. What is Derek Carr's contract situation though? I have to look it up, but it's I probably not. I he has not, one, but that's about he it. Does right, he does have one. Yes, that is an excellent yeah, point, yeah, that's LC. Not, <laughs> thank you, thank you. That's why the listeners tune in, people. Yeah. That's why they tune in. Yeah, he definitely Hashtag has analysis. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I, I think, look, Deshaun Watson, and I know what the argument against it, well, look how bad his team was this year. Right, but look how bad his team was this year because they literally traded away his best receiver – they gave him a running back that Arizona discarded, and and, ma- and he made him good, okay? They have an offensive line that was in shambles. Um, they have a receiving core that was either injured or out due to COVID, so he played with a bunch of young guys in Brandon Cooks, basically, uh, a guy who the Rams discarded. And he made those guys look all-world, too. Um, their defense is terrible, like terrible. Mm-hmm. Like They were putting up so many points every single weekend. Uh, it felt like Deshaun Watson was putting up three or four touchdowns every single week. Um, the Houston Texans defense gave up 464 points, LZ. That is second <laughs> most in the NFL this season to who? The Las Vegas Raiders. Okay? Ah. Second most in the AFC to the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, and in the NFC, the only teams that were worse um, were the Dallas Cowboys and the Minnesota Vikings on defense. So basically, his defense was, from a points perspective, the fourth worst defense out of 32 teams. That's not good. That is not good. But, you know, I know that this is a franchise that has basically been in a spiral um, for the better part of two years. Uh, first, The began Texans, you're three, saying, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the Texans. It began right. with the ownership. Right. The, then Bill O'Brien and what how he's managing players. Yeah. They let D Hop get out the door. Um, they worked in Brandon Cooks, who a lot of people were afraid of, but it worked out. You know, he got about 200 yards this season. Um, so clearly, you know, the trade wasn't as detrimental as perhaps we had thought, but no one has faith in the Houston Texans right now, and that includes the QB. So they're going to have to move him before he starts showing up in strip clubs and stuff like James Harden. No, I don't think he's that guy. Um, but uh, I, I have looked up Derek Carr's contract. He is under contract for two more years. However, he only has a – if he is traded or um, or cut, the dead cap money is only $2.5 million for the Raiders. Get him out of here for Watson. Do it 
right now. Now it's not even a debate, like, if you're the Raiders. Yeah. Like, right. you, now it's just a matter of do you have the draft capital to make that happen? Because let's face it, if you're the Houston Texans, um, and I have to look up the Rams draft capital, um, but, you know, you're going to want, what, two firsts, right? And probably two seconds? I, I need some thirds and some fourths and the fifths, too. The Rams do not have a first-round pick next year. They have six picks, but only from the second on. Yeah, but we're but giving no, them a starting QB. But you can trade future QB. picks. It doesn't have yep. to be. We're, yeah, yeah, and we're, and we're giving them a starting quarterback right out the gate. Well, they may not want golf, quarterback. so that, that's the problem, though. Like, Who doesn't want golf besides, I mean, pretty, you know, L.A.? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right, true. I take yeah. that back. Yeah. Um, so here, listen, here's – I got it's, the it, – it, it, it's a pipe dream, George. Yeah. It is a pipe dream for, for the, the Rams, Rams. But for the is. Raiders, yeah. yeah. But for the Raiders, it's legit. For the Chargers, um, it should be legit, though I suspect based upon some of the things that they tend to do, um, they won't be as bold and make that move. I think the Raiders need to do it. Like, if I'm the Raiders, first of all, you're, you're in a new city, right? You are... Like, you've got this beautiful stadium. You've got John Gruden, right? Like, you've got all this momentum. Um, you've actually been better, uh, even though you were only 8-8 eight eight this year. You, you want to be, be better than 8-8? Eight eight? Go get that guy who's an MVP candidate every year. Well, no, I'm with you. I am with you. You're, you're... Listen, Deshaun is a generational talent. He reminds me a lot of Barry Sanders in Detroit who I had the pleasure of watching, and you can see what the talent was, and you were saddened to know that it would never be actualized in a big stage because of the franchise and its yeah. ineptitude. And yeah. I would hate to see the same thing happen to Deshaun. So the, the Raiders, by the way, have all their first-round picks for the next – yeah, I mean for the foreseeable future. I have it through 2024. So huh? the Rams – do not. They traded this year's to Jalen to the Jaguars for Jalen Ramsey, but they do have their first round picks in 22, 23, and 24. So I, I don't think it's as big a pipe dream if that's the case. Like as long as they're okay with not getting, you know, the uh, you know, the draft capital this year in the first round. But by the way, there'll be plenty of teams that are willing to do that. So the the Rams, right. to your point, are, are gonna be a much tougher sell. But, you know, we've seen Les Snead pull a rabbit out of a hat, to your point. We didn't think they'd ever get Jalen Ramsey, and all of a sudden that happened. And he fell in your I mean, lap, and, you know, look how I mean, that Think about out. it. Think about the Jalen Ramsey, uh, Tlaib, Marcus Peters. Like, he knows how to figure things out despite being handicapped by picks and with the salary. Yeah. So if it is something they really think they should get – um. I won't put it past Les Snead to come up with a package that's appealing to them to try to get them. Yeah, at least kick the tires and see what happens. You already made the Brandon Cooks deal, so why not? You are, you know, I mean, like, you know, who, who knows? Uh, granted, different right. regime, but we'll see. All right, coming up next, we'll actually get to the playoffs. Rams, Seahawks, third time. Who has the advantage? Is it the offense or is it the defense? We'll discuss that coming up in just a few moments. Stick around. We're back in three minutes. So down on LZ with you here at 710 ESPN. Uh, so before we get into the uh, playoff games this weekend, and particularly the Rams and Seahawks, uh, Dave McMiniman is going to stop by in a few minutes as well. In about 10 minutes, we'll talk to McMiniman about the Lakers. They're playing the Spurs tonight. LZ and I will take you up to 530. Then Sliwa and Michael will take over. 
uh, do the pregame. And then, of course, Michael and John will have the game for you right here on 710 ESPN, your home of the world champion Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, LZ, before uh, I get into that, though, um, mm-hmm. I am always both uh, impressed and also uh, occasionally distressed by how efficient the Girl Scouts are with their Girl Scout cookie sales. Um, mm-hmm. Distressed, impressed because it's so robust, right? <laughs> and distressed because it feels like every time uh, in the past when I went to a grocery store, I would have a cute little kid asking me if I wanted to buy cookies, and I'm a sucker for cute little kids selling me cookies because I like cookies, okay? So, and then I also have a cute little kid who likes cookies who's usually with me in those normal scenarios. Mm -hmm. Now, I figured, wow, you know, the Girl Scouts, they're going to be in trouble here during this pandemic, right? How the hell are they going to sell their cookies? Oh, contraire, mon frere. Oh, Um, contraire. So, I find out, through our friend uh, Kevin Blackestone, who we uh, all love and know yes, from uh, Professor Blackestone, Professor Blackestone, you, yes, exactly, yes. Professor Blackestone, who you can see on Around the Horn. Um, I believe I don't recall who in his family uh, is a, a, a young lady who is part of the Girl Scouts, but she is selling Girl Scout cookies, and I'm like, and so he sent us a link. The Girl Scout cookies LZ have gone digital, and it is literally called a digital cookie. Okay. And they, it, you open the website, and it's got their uh, how many boxes they sell, what their goal is. And I was just like, all right, going to have to buy digital cookies for Professor Blackstone and his family. Um, so I bought four boxes of uh, di- uh, digital Girl Scout cookies, <laughs> which will be delivered and mailed to my house uh, probably uh, in the next couple of weeks. Because I just got the email that the order is on the way. Hooray! The order is on the way. I cannot get away from Girl Scout cookies. Nor should you. Nor should you. However, did you hear what our producer had to say about Girl Scout cookies? What did he say? Thin Mints are by far the best Girl Scout cookie, especially frozen. No. Why do you... Listen, so it's funny. In this uh, thread um, that uh, Professor Blackstone uh, sent to uh, everyone who's on around the horn, um, people were weighing in. Um, and LZ, to, to no surprise, Sarah mm-hmm. Spain, Jackie McMullen, uh, mm-hmm. both big Thin Mint uh, people. And uh, much like Greg, Frozen was the preference. I wrote back, I'm not going to judge on chocolate and mint. And then and said, you know, what I was going to get, which were uh, two boxes of Tagalongs, which is the peanut butter and chocolate, uh, a box of Samoas and a uh, the the new s'mores. Uh, well, it's not so new; it came out a couple years ago. Uh, but it's so new and good, they charge an extra dollar for the s'mores. Um, but I'm a tagalongs guy. But I was very disappointed, and perhaps we need to get him on the show tomorrow. Maybe we should send him an email. But J. A. Adande, okay, also a professor, also a professor at Northwestern, covered. Mm-hmm. L.A. Sports for many, many years said he loves a Thin Mint. And I was like, good man. You know what, J.A.? Wow. I thought I knew you. Nope. You do not. So, uh, I've put up a poll. Okay. Poll is up. To do. Poll is up. Yes. Um, really interesting responses so far. So, my tweet is this. So, ESPN Los Angeles producer Greg says, Thin Mint's greater than Samoa's. Question, he cray? 
He's right. I hate Girl Scout cookies. He cray. I first of all, cray. first of all, eleven percent of people have said they hate Girl Scout cookies. Yeah, who are these people? So I'm already confused. Yeah. Um, number two is he cray. Right. And number one is he's right. He's right. I know. I know. However, yes. how, however, however, it is early, and much as we've seen yeah. in the election cycle over these past few months, yeah. what Steve Kornacki says early may not be what happens a little bit later. Right. My buddy John Isner. Who, I see it. Um, you see that, right? Tennis great, John Isner. Yes. Greg has lost his mind. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And you responded very kindly about me, too, so thank you. Uh, <laughs> Brian Kamenetsky <laughs> weighed in and said, this is easily the most correct Greg has ever been. So oh, look, wait. We, got- we, uh. we have a shift. We have a shift in the vote. That's a shift? There's no been way. a shift. A new batch of votes has come in. 48.9% <laughs> say he the cray. The mail-in balance. The mail-in balance. Say he cray. And he cray. 43 and a half say he's right. And 7.6 only hate Girl Scout cookies now. That's better. That's much, much well, let, better. Let that go down because they're crazy for thinking Girl Scout um, cookies are but, bad. Uh, so what, what is the Girl Scout cookie of choice, LZ, before we get into a playoff uh, discussion? Oh, s'mores. Oh, s'mores. I, see, my wife likes s'mores. I'm a tag-along guy. I like the peanut butter and chocolate. Nothing wrong with peanut butter and chocolate. I, yes, because that it is good. Like toothpaste. That does not taste like toothpaste, so right. it's, it works for me. Peanut butter and chocolate are Coconut. very much go hand in hand. They do. Coconut does not. Coconut is just not a good food there flavor is no co- whatsoever. There is no coconut toothpaste, but there is mint. Yeah, there is definitely mint. I'm sure there is coconut toothpaste. I bet you I can find coconut toothpaste. Go find it. I will All find right. it right now. In you guys the interim, the LZ and I will be talking about the Seahawks versus the Rams before we get to Dave McMiniman. we got a couple minutes here, LZ. Um, what do you make of who has the advantage here? On the Does the offense have the advantage? On the third time around against this team, these teams have split. Or does the defense, a great Rams defense, have the advantage? I believe the offense on the third time has the advantage. I believe the offense does. Um, For a couple of reasons. Uh, One, um, I believe the offense is able to be more unpredictable than a defense can. In other words, it's easier. Defenses, to me, based upon... Speaking to coaches over the years, defenses imposes their will, whereas offenses imposes what you're willing against. If you're if you're with me, in other words, yeah, it's easier defense, to be more it's easier to be more unpredictable on offense. I get that. I'm with yeah, you. Yeah, I feel a, you. A, de- a defense can impose its will on the running game, but if you choose not to use the running game, then the defensive scheme is mute. So the offense is always in control, and the defense is always responding for good teams. And in the playoffs, we're only talking about good teams. Now, for bad teams, that throw out everything I just said out the window because bad teams are bad teams for a reason. But for good teams, the offense of a good team dictates, and the the defense responds. And if the defense responds in a way that forces the the, the offense to change again, then the the defense wins that matchup. But generally speaking – the defense is responding to what the offense is doing versus the other way around. Yeah, I get that wholeheartedly. I, that actually makes a lot of sense to me. By the way, Greg did find uh, coconut toothpaste. Uh, Schmidt's coconut toothpaste. Man, stop. Everybody's, who, who, who is brushing their teeth right now with Schmidt's? Yeah. Apparently you. So I am I not. Know. I am never brushing my teeth <laughs> with anything called Schmitz. Schmitz. Never. All right? You know what, Greg? You're just a piece of Schmidt. <laughs> See? There you go. How about Curtis Poindexter just said 
Curtis Poindexter just texted. He's right, though. Frozen Thin Mints are bomb. Boom. I mean, what is wrong with people? Uh, We'll ask Dave McMiniman. Dave McMiniman covers your Los Angeles Lakers. They're playing the Spurs tonight. We will ask McMiniman about his Girl Scout cookie preference. Uh, We will judge him accordingly, and we will talk Lakers with him. He will join us in three minutes. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Sedano and LZ with you here on 710 ESPN, taking up to 530 today as the Lakers are taking on the Spurs. So Sliwa... And Michael will have the pregame for you. And then John and Michael will have the game for you here on your home of the Lakers. And, of course, we'll talk some Lakers now with our pal Dave McMiniman. Does a phenomenal job covering the Lakers and the NBA for us here at ESPN. And happy to have him. But before we talk basketball with Dave McMiniman, Mm -hmm. we have a pressing question that we need to get to Dave. Uh, Dave, um, Girl Scout cookies, okay? Mm -hmm. They are uh, on the – they're on the move uh, they are being done virtually this year. I ordered some Girl Scout cookies uh, from one of our colleagues uh, whose daughter is selling Girl Scout cookies, uh, and I was shamed into buying four boxes. Uh, so I now have four boxes on the way. What is the Girl Scout cookie of choice for you, Dave McMiniman? Wow. Uh, well, first of all, when we finish, you got to hook me up with whatever, whatever colleague's selling them because I oh, usually get a I got you. here too. So, okay, good deal. Uh, well, I, it's tough to pick one. I think... I usually get like three boxes. So I go Thin Mints. Um, I think they call them Coconut Delights now, the toasted coconut ones. The Samoas. Yeah. Samoas. Samoas and Dosey Dos. Oh, Dosey Dos. That's that's my $15 right there. Okay. Um, So go ahead, Dave. Dave, you disappoint us. You disappoint (laughs) all of us. Why? (laughs) Because you were supposed to be the tiebreaker in the Senate and somehow you found a way to still have a tie. Because the discussion was between what, so what, the Thin Mints the, and the Samoas, and you picked both of we them. We did pick both of them. Yeah, but that was like, the, yeah. L, the LZ. Like, you have a six pack. I don't quite have that. So I get to choose all three. You get all <laughs> So that's how these things work. Bro, uh, I started the quarantine with a six pack. It's straight keg right now. So, but I hear what you're saying. <laughs> Oh. Uh, but, you know, I, I, if I have to choose one, I will go Thin Mints because it has staying power. You throw them in the freezer, you can have gross. I mean, what is it with this frozen Thin Mints? You throw, yes. you throw Samoas? Yes. Have I you mean, never thrown a Samoa in the freezer? Never have. Well, give it a whirl before yeah, you start saying what we can't do. Yeah. yeah. You know, and give us some like, opportunity, dog. Yeah. You put caramel in the freezer. That's not good for your teeth. But a nice little, you know, Thin Mint, refreshing crispy when you bite into it. Out of the you don't, let me ask you I'm this, not, Dave. I'm not changing. Dave, you don't think mint and chocolate, like mint, it doesn't taste like toothpaste to you, especially mixed with chocolate? Oh, Straight you mean, crest, homie. Aren't you like anti-root uh, beer too, George? I am anti-root beer. I am. Listen, yeah, I am anti- That's some weird thing. You must have like that weird taste bud thing where uh, there, there's like a garnish that tastes like soap. What's the, the parsley tastes like soap to some people? 
Or cilantro. Cilantro. No, I actually so like cilantro you? because – Wait, know. hold up. Okay. Who the hell is eating soap to even know how to make that correlation? <laughs> oh, I mean, people think – Stuff tastes like blank, and we uh, we hope people aren't eating that either. So, well, listen, no, you know, no, sometimes you wash your face and the soap gets in your mouth. I mean, that could happen. So, I mean, that, that too. Yeah, but uh, no, so yeah, I love root I mean, beer. I'm anti root beer. Like it's a it's a similar type of taste profile, yeah. and I like both of those. Yeah, anti mint, anti root beer, and I'm also anti mayonnaise. Like, get out of here with all three of those. Oh God, mayonnaise! Mayonnaise gives I mean, you all you, the calories and no flavor. Yeah. I guess, yeah, I mean, I could, if I had to choose to get rid of one of those three, I would get rid of mayonnaise. But you do like, like a lobster roll, but I guess you could do the hot butter lobster roll. Yeah, hot butter. Yeah, Yeah. hot butter. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, All right, hot butter, that was LeBron in the fourth quarter the last couple of games. Um, (laughs) Oh, professional transition. Perfect. Um, (laughs) So, uh, does it feel like to you that this team has got a combination of coasting and also figuring each other out? Yeah, I think it's a fair way to say it. Now, you have to give Frank Vogel and the coaching staff some credit that they were losing or doing without two of their eight top players in KCP, Alex Caruso, in that, that Memphis trip. So the fact you go 2-0, and I know Memphis is missing players as well, so I'm not, not saying that, but they are not meant to be at full strength quite yet. They had a 71-day offseason. There's been a purposeful uh, – you know, exaggerated, uh, tactful entry into getting their feet totally in the water of, of the throws of the season. And I think if you can win games three out of every four, as they have so far, being six and two in the meantime, this is all you want because you just don't want to overdo it, risk injury, and, you know, be hurt in the long run. When you look at where some of the Lakers' struggles have been already in this season, whether it's turnovers, controlling points in the paint, what have you, which of these early season concerns may prove to be a long-term concern in your perspective? Well, I think those are two fair ones to point out because you know, the turnovers will often lead to three-on-two, two-on-ones on the other end, and, and most teams, I know the three-point era doesn't always happen, but you're going to finish at the rim so that's going to affect points in the paint as well. And LeBron has said in the past that he feels like early season he gets more turnovers because he's like a quarterback with new receivers, and <laughs> he's kind of throwing interceptions because he doesn't yep. know where they like to catch the ball. And LeBron has been the biggest culprit on this team when it comes to the turnover category. So I'm not too worried about that one. Uh, I am just con- not a concern, but they have to – try to become as strong of a defensive team as they were last year without having the same personnel. And I think they, they can do it. Uh, and, and there is value in having a big man who takes a charge uh, versus the big man who goes to protect the rim by blocking it. But that's going to require getting to totally accustomed with what Marcus all brings, what Montez Hall brings. Uh, but to me, that's the biggest piece. And it's not concern just, I'd like to see them start to look dominant with this new form of defense because clearly they were dominant with the defense that won them the championship. What has been the biggest pleasant surprise for you with this group? Three-point shooting. I, when I moved back to L.A. in 2018, 2019, Lakers were 29th in the league in 
open three-point shots. They couldn't make a shot to, to with any consistency to close out games, to start games in the middle of games. It was just garbage from the outside. And now you have LeBron uh, shooting the three better, Anthony Davis shooting the best three-point percentage of his career thus far, almost 10% percentage points better than last year. Kuzma sitting with consistency. KCP's around 50%. Um, Caruso, before he missed his time because of the COVID protocols, shooting better, uh, you know, really down the line. And they are one of the, you know, uh, basically all season long, they've been one of the five best teams from the three-point land this year. So to me, that's really encouraging because they, when there's nights when the defensive effort necessarily isn't there, uh, like it should be, uh, they're going to win games because they can make shots. And uh, and also, it's it's better to watch. I, I enjoy watching a team that can score more than a team that can defend. I like watching teams that can do both, ultimately. But uh, it, it's cool to see them go out there and drain 15 threes and get into it and, and the energy that it builds, too, because there aren't 19,000 fans in the stands. You know, you get to see the energy funnel from – the three-point line to the bench getting into it, and I think that you know gets them playing with more energy on the court, and that helps the defense too. Um, last question for you, and it's kind of a you know, I guess a do-over question, which is looking at the way that Brandon Ingram is playing right now. If he and Kuz were to switch spots after the Anthony Davis trade, do you still think Brandon would be able to do what he's doing, or is it simply a function of the role on this team that would have that player be limited regardless of who would be in that place? Yeah, I hear you. I, he's a better off, he's a better player than Kyle Kuzma. Uh, and I think he probably always will be. I, I don't think Kyle Kuzma will ever be as good as Brandon Ingram in the NBA. That said, Ingram was making about seven or eight million because he was drafted higher. Kuzma was making like two or whatever before this new contract. They needed to include Ingram to do the deal, and so you got Anthony Davis. So of course the the deal was the right thing to do. Um, I think they would be a better team than Brandon Ingram, but Brandon Ingram probably wouldn't be as comfortable uh, because he's flourished. He's an All Star now, a Most Improved Player of the Year uh, candidate, or what he did uh, with the Pelicans, and and I, I think it just works out on both sides, but. It's it's a fair question to ask. Dave McMiniman does a phenomenal job covering your Los Angeles Lakers and covering the NBA for ESPN. Always a friend of the program. I just sent you a text with the link to your Girl Scout cookies. Enjoy your Thin Mints, Samoas, and Dosi Dos. <laughs> I will. I will. Thanks, guys. All right, man. Thanks, be good. brother. There he is, Dave McMinniman with us here. All right, quick break. Uh, coming up next, we'll do what you need to know. Greg's got a cool story. Plus, uh, I want to catapult off of some of the things that Dave talked about uh, with the Lakers. LZ and I can kind of um, – I, I kind of want to dissect some of the things he discussed, particularly from a Kuzma Ingram perspective, because there's two other young guys that the Laker fans are familiar with uh, that will be battling against each other, and they're battling tonight. And I want to discuss that. Two Southern California kids. All coming up. Stick around. We are back in three minutes. 710 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. 
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. What you need to know is brought to you by Morongo. Play it safe. Good times. Greg, what do you got? All right. So Tony Parker has a a documentary coming out on Netflix that is called The Final Shot. Um, And so it got me thinking and it got LZ thinking about it a little bit too. What current Laker would you want to see a, a documentary about that is not LeBron or AD? Easy. And LZ, you can go first. Okay, or you can no, go No, no, go, go, LZ, go. No, 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 no. George, you said it's easy. Go for it. Oh, Markeith Morris. I want anything that involves the Morris twins. Uh, I feel like them as a, you know, just their involvement, their relationship. Uh, remember, there was a time that in the league, LZ, people thought, oh, you couldn't separate the Morris twins. Like, you can't trade one without the other. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it just the whole dynamic of twins to me is fascinating. Those two guys and their personalities are fascinating. And just their interactions to me have always been fascinating. I'm going to go with Costas. Oh, because uh, he's bringing Kupo. Yes, because he's bringing all the brothers. Right. And like you're saying, the brother relationship is interesting, but like I would love to be on Fly on the Wall when Giannis was asked to do a tribute video to his brother for winning a championship. Right. Which he obviously did, and he loves his brother very much. Yeah. But like that's just got to be so interesting. These three men, their backgrounds. And then, obviously, the youngest of them coming away with a chip that the two-time MVP has yet to even sniff. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think it's one of those deals where um, – I, I don't know. I mean, I've been around Giannis a little bit, and he's so family-oriented. Like, he loves his brothers, to your point. Um, I, I just think that – I don't think it was that hard. That makes it a great doc. Yeah. Yeah. That's the reason why I make this a great doc. I'm not looking for controversy. I'm looking for information. Right. You just want to know more about Giannis. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Or uh, just about the entire family. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And their background and their backstory. You know, the 60 yep. Minutes piece was very short, if you really think about it, because it's network television. So, yeah. And it wasn't 60 Minutes. No, it was just like 15 um so because there's four stories in the show yes yes yeah uh um greg what do you got what else all right so mine was gonna be alex caruso by the way just because just seeing him come from oh, g league up sorry. into the i just thought that would be fun either way no no, no that's a great no 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 you're right that's a great story too yeah thank you so the next story is comes from seth davis i saw him tweet today um you know the college basketball analyst and he said something about why uh, why do people want their Venmo transactions to be public? And I just don't understand why they do either. I use Venmo. I don't a lot get for, that either. I don't yeah, like using Venmo you. all that much because of that. I mean, you can make it. You can make it. You private, can make it private. Which I do. I make mine private. Yeah. 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 But so, do you ever make yours public? I mean, Maybe I'm trying to embarrass the, somebody. I only, use it, I only use it occasionally, so it's not really like the you know. I, I don't. I don't use it in, transact enough on Venmo um, to like care. Um, but I do. I have noticed that for sure. But like, do people go on Venmo and search and like scroll through what everybody sends? No, I money usually. On? But I, I just, usually see uh, like very the first odd. person that pops up on my, you know, when you know on that screen, they usually see a name or two before I don't scroll. But I mean, there's a feed. There's a feed, so I just don't. I don't get it. Well, how do you not get it, and yet you know there's a feed, and you scroll down the feed? Maybe Correct. you do get it, and you don't want to admit that you to our voyeur. <laughs> I just don't want to. I don't actually look at. It. I just know there's a feed, but I you're just don't understand why people want to. It's okay. Know. You're, you're sure. Right. It's don't fun. Admit it. It's fun. The voyeur is fun. Let's see what he can say. All right, that'll do it for uh, what you need to know. All right. Oh, what by the way, know? I have some breaking news. Oh, breaking news! 
Breaking news. He Cray is now number one Thank on you. the poll. Thank you, people. You are officially Cray. Thank you. Oh, it keeps flipping back and forth. We still got Thank plenty you. of time. Thank you. Oh, this ain't Georgia, 1%. baby. We, we settle in now. Yeah. Oh, this no, is no. He's right coming, out on the, it's coming up on top. You'll see yeah, by the end of the show. This is California, man. This is California. This is California. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. What it says but in the first five minutes is what it's going to be. Yeah. By the way, before I get back to the Lakers, I'm watching on TNT, Brooklyn and Philly. And yep. Uh, Brooklyn is playing in the old New Jersey Nets baby blue uniforms. Man, they look the Drazen Petrovic, you know, um, um, Derek Coleman uh, uniforms. Man, they look nice. They look nice. And I'm not a uniform guy, but man, they look nice. Yo, dog, what happened to the Nets squad? Uh, DC, well, Ky- Kevin Durant, Drazen. No, oh, no, no. I'm not talking about this one. That one. one. Oh, that okay. one. Yeah. That one was supposed to win a chip. What happened? Um, they were so young, and then Drazen died, you know? I mean, that is a bummer. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was supposed to be – remember, but pre uh, – you know, I guess who was the best Europe, European player that came? Like, Arvidas, right, was the guy. Sabonis. And then Kukoc I, kind of after that, right? Like, yeah. Petrovic was before any of those guys, you right. know? Right. And he and, was – and he and those guys will tell you that he was the best one. Well, he was ridiculous. He was yeah. fearless. Right. Yeah. And he was extremely talented, knocking down threes the way we're knocking them down now, except getting, we're talking about the 80s. Right, and getting to the rim like he was a great passer. Yeah, yeah no, Strong. He was, he was unbelievable. Right. Yeah, he was unbelievable. But it is cool to see those unis. But anyway, Lakers. So McMiniman was on. Mm-hmm. We asked him a ton of questions, including his biggest surprise. Uh, you asked him several questions about just kind of the makeup of the roster. What did he say to you that maybe surprised you a little bit about the Lakers? Um, how impressed he was with that three-point shooting mm-hmm. early on. Right. I had never even thought about it, you know, and I know that AD is shooting like a bonkers, you know, percentage, and I know that we've added better three-point shooters mm-hmm. to the squad, right. but I hadn't really stopped to pay attention to what those numbers look like from a quantitative perspective right. until he started talking about it. Right. And that's when I was like, oh, yeah, all right, okay. Because we had to win this chip 16-5 and five without being a great three-point shooting team. Makes me wonder if we can go 16-2, and two, if we can knock more of those shots down. Right. For sure. Yeah. I, I do think that that's the way you have to look at it. Because it is interesting how, you know, this Lakers team did struggle. Um, they were, you know, 23rd uh, during the season, um, if, if I recall correctly. And hit timely shots during the finals, right? Like, literally that right. was because Miami was so outmatched. Um, from a size perspective, that's what they were banking on. They were just like, all right, if you can hit them, then fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, and, and look, some nights it worked and some nights it didn't. But now with this team, you can't take that strategy. No. I mean, we have, what, Wesley can knock down three or more a night. Uh, Keith, three or more a night. Obviously, Braun and AD, three or more a night. Schroeder, three or more a night. Like, there are so many guys who can give you three threes mm-hmm. in any given night that it's, it's pretty hard to, to, to scheme for that. Because mm-hmm. it, it, you, you could have everything right, and then Wesley Matthews hits six threes, and you're like, what the hell? Right, <laughs> right. So I, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, as the season goes on, watching that aspect of the Lakers offense really get fleshed out even more. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that Greg, what it was there anything that McMiniman said that stuck out to you in that regard? 
Uh, mostly it was the three-point shooting that's what I wrote down, but also that, I mean, we know that Kyle Kuzma is never going to be Brandon Ingram, and that's, he was spot well, on. Well, I mean, but that, I mean, honestly, does anyone really think that? No. But that was, I mean, that was a big point of contention. But when people said, why didn't were we moving Kyle Kuzma for um, for Anthony Davis instead of Brandon Ingram? So, you well, know. Well, I mean, do you, I don't know. Well, you weren't producing me back then. When I was doing Afternoons nope. the first time, um, you know, Pearson was the producer. We had David Griffin on when he was working for uh, NBA TV and Turner Sports. And I remember it was like a February and he came on and he, the, the Lakers had just played the Celtics. And he was talking about the way he was guarding Kyrie. Uh, Brandon was guarding Kyrie, and he was raving about him. And I remember telling the audience as soon as he hung up, and I, and I love Griff. Griff's my guy. I've known him for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, if David Griffin becomes the general manager of a team, he's going to trade for Brandon Ingram. And, of course, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> so yeah. because just based on that conversation on the air, like it was so obvious how enamored he was with him. I mean, Bre- Brandon, we all had seen flashes. And remember that last quarter of the season when he was with us, um, he balled out. He did ball until out. He got that, injured. that second half of the year, he did. He totally balled out. And yeah. it made you think like, huh. Now, AD is just a better player. Right. And I do not regret the trade. Right. At all. Right. At all. Right. Don't, not second guessing a single thing. Right. But I do feel a little bit differently about the previous regimes and its selection in the uh, draft based upon the way that Brandon has progressed. And Lonzo has gotten better, too. Yeah, Lonzo has gotten better. Speaking of which, Lonzo and LaMelo face off against each other tonight, LZ. Um, first of all, how do you feel Lonzo has progressed? Um, well, he's shooting the ball. Yeah. Better. He's shooting the – actually, let me rephrase that. He's shooting the ball like an NBA player. Mm-hmm. His form looks good now. Mm-hmm. You know, he looks competent. He's now releasing the ball, and I've been watching him a little bit from last season into the early part of this season. His release point is consistent now. His elbow is in a lot better. He's not fading when he jumps. He used to, you know, drift sometime to the left or the right, depending upon how he was coming off the screens. He's not doing that anymore, and he's not hesitating as much as he used to. Mm-hmm. All of those things translate to a much better and much more consistent shooter, and so I'm really happy to see that. Now it becomes the, the, the more critical parts of the game, which is now that you've, you know, you're developing your shot, you know, what other kinds of ways can you score to keep the defense off balance so that you can showcase your three-point shooting even more? Meaning, can you put the ball on the ground, give us some floaters in the paints, shoot a mid-range every now and then so that the defense can't be sold out on you shooting a three or driving to the bucket? They have no idea what you're doing. Once he's doing that, then he's completely dangerous because he's a great athlete, he has great height, he has fantastic bounce, he has good instincts. The offensive part of his game, particularly when it comes to the jumper, was, was holding him back. If he's able to continue to develop, George, he's going to be an all-star. Yeah, I agree. I, I think he's, he's kind of realizing some of his potential. Uh, Greg, what do you think of young Lonzo? I have always been a huge Lonzo Ball fan, and – I just kind of expected by this point that he would have progressed just even a little bit more. I oh, thought really? that he was one of those you guys. Think yes. I, you think he's over, I, uh, uh, kind of, they've overachieved, I guess, or whatever. Or underachieved, yes, I do. is what I mean. Yes, yes. He's underachieving at this point. Right, right. I always thought of him as a guy that could 
on every single night should be giving you 15, 8, and 8 without, without fail with a, with a steal, maybe a block here or there. He's a good defensive player. I just don't see the numbers coming up as as that. I mean, his three-point shot is still really, really bad, which is also bringing down its field goal percentage. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit disappointed. I thought that he could have been – I don't think he's going to be an all-star yet, and he's not at that caliber yet to me. Interesting. Uh, well, I, you're wrong. Yeah. Okay. Good conversation. be good. Um, I still think he – I don't think he's going to be like a perennial all-star, right? Like, I, I think that that's different, right? So I think that Lonzo can be – a, you know, a two or three time All Star in his career. Like, I, Luol Deng was a two time All Star in his career. Right. Yeah. But what does he getting to that point yet? Has he gotten anywhere? Has he showing you those flashes that it's like, oh, yeah, that guy's going to be really, really good? He showed it with the Lakers. I haven't seen it with, with the Pelicans. It's just going to take a Everyone doesn't start off, you know, number one. Correct. Kyle Lowry took a long time to become Victor what he Oladipo is now. Victor took five Victor years. Victor Oladipo, exactly. Yeah, five exactly. years to be a good player. You know, we, we forget that the LeBrons and the Carmelos, the Magics, those guys are rare. Mm-hmm. You don't come in that young and just tear up the league and, 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 and you know, you're very complete or pretty close to complete right out the gate. It typically takes you a while to, to get to that place. But what I'm witnessing with Lonzo, and I'm happy to see it because I think he's a really good young man, is that he's developing more confidence. And again, his shooting form, the things that were problematic, he used to fade on his three-point shooting so much. And I'm like, dog, what, why is your hips over on the left, your arm and elbows are to the right, and your feet are somewhere in between? Like, none of this makes sense. You're not going to consistently hit that shot if you don't have that kind of balance. Now he has to balance. Yeah, I, I'm with you. He His shot looks completely different. Um, and Fred Vincent, who's their coach there in uh, New Orleans, has done a fantastic job with that. And by the way, New Orleans is coming to town next week. I've actually got – I mentioned yesterday I got both games. They're taking on the Lakers and the Clippers in, you know, two games in three nights or whatever it is on Wednesday and Friday. And and you're going to see – that New Orleans team is going to be really good this year. Like, they're going to be really fun. They're already fun to watch. They're going to be even right. more fun to watch, I think. Remember when we were doing our little preseason predictions? Yeah. And you asked me which team can get the Lakers trouble. I picked right. New Orleans. Yeah. yeah. I picked New Orleans because between the size and explosiveness and strength of Zion and the hunger of the young players – that's just the kind of combination that can give a veteran team whose eyes are set on something larger trouble during the regular season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can see that. I still don't think that – I mean, trouble is relative, as we both know. But yeah. um, but I, I'm they're, they're talented, that's for sure. Uh, I don't think there's any question about that. And, and I know the NBA would love that, right? Like, that's the series they would oh, want. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, we wanted it last year, and we didn't get it. Um, so, anyway, uh, by the way, we didn't actually get to the cool part, which is LaMelo and Lonzo – um, going at it tonight. So let's do that a little bit on the other side. Plus, because uh, we're only taking you to 530 tonight because we got Lakers, Spurs, and Michael and Sliwa will have your pregame at 530. And then the game between uh, the Lakers and Spurs, John and, and Michael will have the call on your home of the Los Angeles Lakers, world champion Lakers here, 710 ESPN. But um, let's get into LaMelo versus Lonzo a little bit because I do think the LaMelo part of this is interesting. And, you know, we haven't had a lot of brothers face off each other uh, against each other in NBA history. And we've got another Dodgers nugget for you. 
that before we go, we, we've been giving you some Dodger nuggets here uh, over the last couple of days. We got one more for you. We'll have that for you coming up in the last segment uh, before the Lakers pregame. 710 ESPN back in three minutes. Sedano and LZ with you here on 710 ESPN. Greg, you were asking me a question as we were coming back from break. You wanted me to know what? Oh, so I was just going on um, basketballreference.com today, and there was a there's a bunch of weird stats on there that I didn't even know they took, they kept track of. Like oh. one of them is and ones. Okay, well let's let's do that in a second. Uh, I did not know yeah. uh, that that was what you wanted to do, but that's fine. We can discuss that in a second. <laughs> but I, I mentioned um, we were talking about Lonzo, and and you know because we were talking to Dave McMiniman earlier. And if you missed Dave, you could always subscribe to the Sedano and LZ podcast on the ESPN app, um, on Spotify, Google, uh, Apple, wherever you find your podcasts. Okay, so thank you so much, and please subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, leave a nice review, five stars. Uh, so. LZ, we were talking about the young guys, the old Laker young guys with him for some reason. Um, and Oh, because we were talking about Kuzma. So we were talking about Lonzo in the last segment a little bit and Brandon Ingram and Kuzma, et cetera. But the whole point was that LaMelo and Lonzo are playing, and you don't have a lot of brothers playing against each other. We know the Wilkins brothers, right, uh, played mm-hmm. against each other. Obviously, the Gasol brothers uh, have played yep. against each other. So this is just another installation uh, mm-hmm. of, of that particular kind of cool, fun rivalry that the NBA uh, tends to have. But, we, you know, we talked a lot about Lonzo. What do you think LaMelo's ceiling is? Wow, that's a great question. Um, ever since I first saw him, like, what was this, like three years ago now, watching him play in AAU, it was obvious he was a really talented offensive player. So I would say his ceiling is attached to his defense. Okay. You know, the more he improves and stronger on defense, the higher his ceiling goes. Because even though I think he's a really talented offensive player, the reality is there's not a whole lot of dudes who play his position in the mm-hmm. backcourt that can't get you them buckets. Right. What else you got? Right. And we're waiting to see him show us the other aspects of it that takes him from being a talented young player to someone who may be able to lead a team to a French, to a championship. So at this point, um, it's a wait and see. I need to I need him to spend a little bit more time playing ball, getting better, getting stronger before I you know can tell you where I think his ceiling is going to go because I need to see how strong and how defensive he's going to become. Yeah, defensively is a big problem. I, I think it's a big for him problem still. right now. Yeah, but it's a big problem for young players, especially rookies, young in their first week yeah. or so. Yeah, you know it's it's a big problem for all of them. So I'm not going to hold them to this. But after two seasons, if dudes are still blown by him because he's too busy trying to leak out to get buckets, then we know what that is. Yeah. Look, his offensive skill set, his passing is ridiculous. Like, we already know that. Yeah, Uh, we've seen that very early on. Um, Do you think he has a higher ceiling than Lonzo, though? Um, No, not inherently so. Right. Well, because Lonzo is a good defender. There is no question about that. He's a really good defender, and he's a really good rebounder. Right. And he's equally as good as a passer. So you're asking yourself, will Lonzo's offense develop faster than LaMelo's defense? Because that's the gap right there. Will Lonzo's offense develop then? Um, I would say Lonzo's offense is rounding to form much, much better these last, you know, I don't know, eight months or whatever. Um LaMelo's defense. Defense takes a while. I feel like guys sometimes go years before they learn to play real good defense. Isn't that fair? 
Well, it depends on the coach. You know, that's remember, true too. That's true too. I remember having conversations with um, JJ Reddick over the years, and right before he was drafted, he and I were joking. I was like, "Dude, I would love for you to be in Phoenix." And that's when Nash and Amari and those guys were rolling because I was like, "Dude, you just be straight buckets." Right. But he ended up with Stan, Stan right. Van Gundy, and you needed who, to play defense to play for Stan. You needed to play de- exactly to yeah. play defense for Stan. Right. And it was because of that. He's still in the league. I don't right. know if he would still be in the league if it wasn't for Stan forcing him to know how to play good defense. Right, and he did. He became a, a very capable defender, uh, even though yep. he's small. Right, even though he, uh, you know, he, he's he's not he's strong for his size, but he's not like some overwhelming, uh, you know, person when it comes to his strength. But he's really smart. He plays the angles well, and he plays team defense well because of yep. that. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, speaking of defense, um, mm-hmm. maybe. The best defender in at the shortstop position in baseball uh, just got traded in Francisco Lindor. Oh my uh, God, Corey Seager's been traded. Corey Seager's great. I don't think he's the best defensive shortstop in the game. Um, but disrespectful. I mean, listen, Corey Seager's great. He's an MVP <laughs> type guy, but I, you know, defense is different. Um, but Lindor was linked to the Dodgers a ton, and no one would know that more than Greg Bergman. Um, so. You know, look, are you sad Lindor's not available anymore, or are you okay? Well, I guess he still technically could be a free agent next year if the Mets don't sign him to an extension. Yeah, he could still be a free agent, but I'm not that upset. I love Corey Seager. I think that he is the shortstop. If he wants to play shortstop, then he should play shortstop, and he actually worked really hard on his defense and was much, much better than he has been in the years past. I mean, look, the guy's like 6'2 and trying to play shortstop. That doesn't happen very often. You're usually a shorter guy. So, um, Well, no, not necessarily. I mean, historically, you're right, but I mean, there was a stretch where there were a a bunch of big shortstops like A-Rod and uh, Derek Jeter and, you know, Nomar Garcia Parra, Cal Ripken, right? Like, you know, just yeah. There's a there are some, but for the most part, when you think of shortstop, you think of short, quick, fast guy, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, but he had, he also he had problems throwing from short to home sometimes. Then he had you know the Tommy John surgery, and then all of a sudden now he's throwing he's throwing bullets over there. So it's much much better. I I'm not upset about Lindor. I I think that they can still find somebody to bring in to play third base or second base, but. Corey Seager is the guy for shortstop for the foreseeable future, if you can sign him. LZ, I, uh, do you make the long-term move? Do you just put the ring on Corey Seager now? I would try and put the ring on Corey Seager now. I mean, he won two postseason MVPs in the same season. Yeah. And in this first full year of coming back from that Tommy John surgery, to your point, Greg, I have no reason to believe he's going to regress – um, after this season, and and I'm kind of old school when it comes to this, guys. I want to try and keep as many of our homegrown, talented players on all our teams as much as possible. Yeah, look, that that makes all the sense in the world. And by the way, ring by ring, we know he has a championship ring. We're talking about like marriage uh, for a long term contract, um, right? But yeah, like it. it Though he did I, just get married too. He did that like, too. Married, right? married. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, got all the rings. You know what? We can talk about that a little more tomorrow. Because uh, we got to go, LZ. Uh, it was excellent work as always today. Great work with you. Uh, Alejandro Fernandez, you're wrong. Uh, both are not solid. Only the Samoas are solid. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the Girl Scout cookies. We were talking about Thin Mints yes, and Samoas. Cookies, yes. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, excellent work, Greg. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Uh, Sliwa and Michael, Lakers pregame. Lakers Spurs coming up next on your home of the LA Lakers, 710 ESPN.